0: It's rare that something has the potential to help both our bodies and the planet at the same time. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about oubli and sweet proteins. Did you know that protein has a sweet tooth? That's right. There are a handful of plants that grow near the equator that make fruit that produce sweet tasting plant protein that's not sugar. These are called sweet proteins. Sweet proteins are amazing tricksters and taste absolutely delicious. But better yet, they're digested just like any other dietary protein. That means they have no impact on blood sugar or the gut microbiome. Oobly uses sweet proteins to make incredible plant-based, low-sugar, sweet iced teas that are craft-brewed with clean, fresh ingredients and zero artificial sweeteners. No stevia, no sugar alcohols. With only 7 grams of sugar in an entire 16-ounce can, and that includes the fruit, you can have your sweet and sip it too. Oobly's sweet teas come in three delicious flavors, lemon, peach, and mango yuzu. Get 20% off your first order with the promo code genius at oobly.com. G-E-N-I-U-S. That's the promo code at oobly.com. O-O-B-L-I dot He's the author of a book called Sugar Crush. So we're going to talk about uh, what's, what glucose does to people in excess. Dr. Jacoby, he got a degree in chemistry at Villanova University, Pennsylvania, and then uh, attended medical school at Pennsylvania College of Podiatric Medicine, uh, now named Temple University School of Podiatric Medicine in Philadelphia. Uh, so we're going to talk about his, uh, his work as a doctor and especially his new book,
2: Sugar Crush. So, Rich, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on some important subject sugar and health. And is getting more so as time goes on as the disease curve accelerates. Well, tell me a bit about your
0: um, medical career. Have you been doing podiatry or did you move on to another aspect of medicine before you ran into uh, the sugar problems that your clients would have?
2: Well, it was an evolution of my training, just a technical portion here. Villanova, I went there after college. I went to Rowan University. And then after that, I went to Villanova for chemistry, and then Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. College of Podiatric Medicine, and did my residency in surgery in Philadelphia. Then came out to Phoenix, and uh, I I had a pretty good history of studying diabetes. Uh, When I was in school in Philadelphia, I worked as a work-study program back in those days. We actually did these things. We worked and got paid our 85 cents an hour, or whatever it was. But I was assigned to Dr. Michael Sheff's laboratory at the Ben Franklin Clinic, and we were studying PKU, phenylketonuria, which basically is a metabolic disease of birth and staining of the basal ganglia. I was his research assistant. I fed the rats. I looked at the electrophoresis results. Dr. Sheff uh, was from England, and he studied with Watson and Crick. He was their research assistant. So I I say I'm once removed from Watson and Crick. But that started, right. and um, then I came out to Phoenix. And then from there, I was asked by the Surgeon General of the country of Taiwan to figure out why they had diabetes, and I was 1981. So I went, went there on and off for three years. I really didn't see a lot of diabetics back then, but I did notice that the first fast food restaurant was 1979. They noticed that there was a change in their diseases, and I said, Well, it must be your change in diet, and that's exactly what it was. So then I just get that was just in the back of my mind. I started the wound care center at Scottsdale Memorial Hospital, it was called 35 years ago. And I said, Um, we're having an increase in incidence of diabetic neuropathy and also gangrene and amputations. And I was fortunate enough to run into Dr. Lee Dallin out of Johns Hopkins, who taught me peripheral nerve surgery at the lower extremity. And that's how it really took hold because diabetes and diabetic neuropathy and the biochemistry of that is very simply, I would say, nancy. But neurologists look at it from a different point of view. Dr. Dallin's theory is that it is a compression neuropathy. And it is a compression neuropathy. And he's written two textbooks and 800 articles, but the world doesn't seem to understand what he's saying. I did. I brought it back to Scottsdale. Then I would... a literature search, and I found Dr. John Cook, who is a cardiologist by training, has a PhD in vascular biology, and he studied one molecule, asymmetric dimethyl arginine. And that kind of reminded me of what we were doing back in Philadelphia 50 years ago on PKU. So I theorized that That molecule that he discussed, asymmetric dimethylarginine, was the first marker of the autonomic nervous system to get blocked by sugar. And that is correct. And that's just been figured out. What's the implication of that? Well, What is its role? And when it's blocked, what happens? The molecule is really an endogenous blocker of the nitric oxide pathway. So when that happens, it blocks the blood supply to the nerve, the arterial supply, the vasobasurin. And that's the first marker that I can find that you can measure to reduce the amplitude in the small fiber neuropathy. So that's that's kind of my contribution.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I'm not sure what that means. If it's a nitric oxide blocker, uh, wouldn't that mean like vasodilation happens easier? Or, you know, in terms of male erectile issues, that there would be less of them because you'd have more access to... Nitrogen oxide, it wouldn't be blocked or would this deplete it or how would what would happen
2: yeah so i'm i'm not sure what your your audience is composed of if they I think, I think
0: a middle level would be good like i think your your answer before was like a little bit it needs a little bit of clarification then it should be okay
2: okay so and, and this is new information by the way so let's go back to 2004 dr cook wrote that article it's called the uber marker your people audience may want to look it up in circulation journal and he called it the uber marker and what he was saying in the article was that that molecule when it prevents the conversion of l-arginine a semi-essential amino acid to convert to nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. So when you have high levels of asymmetric dimethyl and we'll call that ADMA, make it simpler, it blocks that conversion. And when you block that conversion, now, you know, in biochemistry, there's a lot of sidebars to this, and but I'll just stay with the basic molecule here. So if you, your nitric oxide pathway goes down, then your Expression of the circulation goes down with it. In other words, the vessel gets smaller instead of larger, the way it should. And you just mentioned erectile dysfunction. Yes, that's that's the problem. And, uh, and there are multiple other factors, but this is the main one: asymmetric dimethylarginine.
0: So it sounds like um, again, it would cause erectile dysfunction. It's the opposite of what I thought you first said. Okay, so yeah. it makes sense. It blocks the production of nitrogen oxide, so I would guess that it raises blood pressure, and then it also would lead to, uh, again, problems performing for man, right you erectile know, dysfunction. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. And what uh, it's, it's very correct. So I theorized back then when I read his paper, I said, I, first of all, I text Dr. Cook and I said, Dr. Cook, I read your article. Great article. I think it has something to do with Dr. Dallin's theory at Johns Hopkins on the large fiber neuropathy. And I'll explain all that stuff later. And I think they complement each other. And he said, well, come up to Stanford, which I did in 2005. I tested my patients with his molecule. And I found not only diabetic neuropathies, which I was studying, but all other types of neuropathies that you wouldn't think are neuropathies like that would be connected. But when you really think about it, these are all the same. So let's take MS, multiple sclerosis. That's just a neuropathy of another nerve, the vagus nerve. And then I looked at looked at all the nerves, and I said, "Well, wait a minute. This why would biochemistry only affect one nerve, not the other nerves, like carpal tunnel or ulnar tunnel diabetic neuropathy, which neurologists says say that there is not a compression neuropathy." And I want to oops, let me stop on that sentence right there. Now, Doctor Dell is at. Professor of Neurosurgery and Plastic Surgery at Johns Hopkins. He's written two textbooks, over 800 articles, 75 chapters. No one seems to get what he's saying. I'm a surgeon. So I did not know what he was talking about when I took his course. So I read his articles, I read his textbooks, which are really very, very well done. And I was thinking, well, I'm in the foot and leg all day long doing surgery with diabetics. I don't see what he's talking about. I understand what I, I think I understand what he's talking about. But until I put his lens on to see what he was seeing, and I I think it's extremely important for this discussion. So lenses change your perception. So he does surgery under 3.5 magnification. I never did because I could see what I needed to see with bones and tendons. As soon as I put the lens on and was next to Dr. Dellon at Johns Hopkins, and he pointed out these constrictions on the nerves, I went, oh my God, he's absolutely correct. But when you talk to a neurologist, and, and this is not to put them down, they just can't see it because they're not surgeons. They, don't, they have never put Dellon's lens on, so they read what he says, but they can't see what he's talking about.
0: We all know we should be eating less sugar but we're constantly bombarded with drinks and snacks loaded with refined sugar or alternative sweeteners like stevia or erythritol that recent studies have shown might not be as harmless as we thought. Enter Oobly, who just launched the world's first beverages to satisfy your sweet tooth with protein. Sweet proteins are nature's candy and give Oobly's brand new sweet iced teas sugar-like sweetness without the impact to your health. Get 20% off your Oobly order with the promo code GENIUS at ubli.com and try all three delicious craft brewed sweet iced teas, lemon, peach, and mango yuzu. That's ubli.com, o-o-b-l-i.com and use the code genius, G-E-N-I-U-S. Well, one one quick question here. Um, you know, I've interviewed uh, various uh, heart doctors and yeah, heart researchers and they you know they say like ninety percent of the blood supply to the heart is through the microvasculature. So by the time you see a, you know an occlusion in like a large vessel all the microvasculators, vasculature is like dead and gone. Um, so, since nitric acid production is impeded, wouldn't that close down, or squeeze, or pinch? Or
2: well, it's more than that. As as you know, nothing's uh, that. So so wouldn't that pinch off any, any
0: microvasculature?
2: Yeah, would that, would that cause neuropathy? Well, now let's define the word neuropathy. Neuropathy only means a problem with the nerve. So, if you have a problem with the chemistry of the blood supply to the nerve, you then have neuropathy. That's point number one. Point number two is the malleard reaction, which is well-known in the literature. The malleard reaction is the sugar plus a protein equals a constriction of the soft tissue around the nerve and the little bundles of the nerve. That's well-known. It's called the malleard reaction. And the third one that's well-known is the polyol path. That is a sugar inside the nerve that breaks down by an enzyme to sorbitol. And sorbitol is an alcohol sugar which absorbs water into the nerve. So it's hard to do when you're not seeing a picture of this. But just think for a moment. You have a covering around a vessel, in this case, the neurovascular bundle, that's getting tighter because it's getting it's like a shrink wrap on it. Biochemically, and you have vessels inside, especially the nerve that is swelling, getting larger. I call that, and Dr. Down calls that compression. Now, that if you add the nitric oxide pathway, now you have a structure is being compressed, and you're shutting off the blood supply, not only from the physical compression, but the biochemical compression of the nitric oxide pathway. So it starts with a very insidious process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes 40 to 50 years, depending on how much sugar you're eating. And in 1974, when high fructose corn syrup was introduced into the genome, you can just plot every one of these diseases and it's now in hockey stick form. And I'm saying, and this is my hypothesis, that diabetic neuropathy is no different than MS, autism, Alzheimer's, or any other neuropathy. The only difference is is the epigenetics. Now, if I ate a bunch of sugar and you ate a bunch of sugar and your genes were programmed, for let's say you had five alleles, which are groups of s- cells or uh, code, and you got say, Alzheimer's and I got gallbladder disease, which I think is the same thing, just different nerve, the vagus nerve again. That's all it is. So it seems to be different diseases. No, it's In my opinion, it is the manifestation, the inflammation in the tissue where the battle between the white cells and the cytokines cytokines are taking place. So people say, well, you have psoriatic arthritis, you have Alzheimer's, you have Alzheimer's. No, you don't. You have sugar poisoning. Now, that's hard to to grasp when every doctor is in their own little silo. And if they don't have Dellen's glass lens to put on, then they're going to say, this is crazy talk. Well, it's really not. It's really not. So Dr. Perlmutter, which is interesting, he was on the front of my book, Sugar Crush. Now, he's a neurologist, probably the most well-known neurologist in the world. And I'm sure he never read the book because why would he be on the front of my book when the American Neurology Association doesn't agree with Dr. Dellen's theory because they're not surgeons? For instance, doctor, this is a funny name, but we'll use it anyway because it's his name. His name is Peter Dick, and he's a neurologist, head of Mayo Clinic's neurology department. And he came out in his textbook and said, Dr. Dellon's theories are dangerous. Well, of course, they're dangerous at Dr. Dick was doing the surgery because he's not a surgeon. And that's us. We know what's going on. We know how to do that. I've done thousands of those surgeries. We don't have amputations. But, but they, you
0: know, oh, it's, just, it's just typical demonization without any facts. I mean, it's, it's oh, it's, it's vid-
2: Dr. Dellon, folk professor, goes to Mayo, get a meeting with Dr. Dick at Mayo in Rochester. What refused to see him. He sat in his waiting room and refused to see him. That's more than arrogance. That's more than arrogance, but big pharma is the structure from which all these big institutions are constructed. They're not going. You're not going to construct a big university with somebody who's doing surgery. There's just no money. You want a drug. You want something that treats, never heals, and goes on forever. That's called an annuity, and that's the problem. That's where the yeah. funding comes from. So my new book, Unglued. Which will be out in July. We'll discuss that whole concept in detail. Why, for instance, why Steve Forbes, Forbes Magazine, wrote a great article last month, and why Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease has not been solved despite there's all this research. The answer: They're trying to find a drug to allow you to eat a lot of sugar and still live. That's all. That's all this industry is about. That's all it is sounds bleak doesn't but i have the solution i believe and i've seen it work so many times stem cells so that's the positive output of all the things i've done over the last 50 years stem cells don't care what you call your itis as i say i actually say stem cells don't give a rat's ass what you call your itis
1: because
0: but but, but based on your um based on your assessment of You know, this unexpected effect of sugar causing neuropathy. So do you look to the dietary control of it? Like what's to be done?
2: Well, number one, I think you got to get the FDA in front of Congress say, why why are you allowing this poison to be put in our food supply called high-fructose corn syrup? You're killing people. That's number one. That's never going to happen. So number two, education, I guess. You know, let the public know what you're eating is killing you. But then number three is, okay, I get it. But now I have the injury and I'm 60, 70, 80 years of age, what do I do? Stopping eating sugar is not going to solve the issue, could help the issue. But- since, well, what has,
0: One quick question. What is the, um, with this new knowledge, what is the short-term effects of sugar? And then what are more of the longer-term effects now that you understand this neuropathy component at least somewhat?
2: Well, the short-term, it's a very insidious process. You really wouldn't put these symptoms together. Let's go back. I mean, women have a high degree of migraine headaches. Well, migraine headaches- are a the same biochemistry I just talked about, but in the in the brain, the blood supply gets con- compressed by the different muscle neuromuscular bundles that go through the different muscles on the outside of the back of the brain or the forehead, and that's what causes pain. I mean, it's pretty simple, and we call that migraines. And if you're a surgeon and you and you're trained by Doctor Dell, which I was, and you're a migraine surgeon, let's say that, that there are those people out there and they can surgically reverse that process. But my point is a little bit more than just surgery. It's saying the sugar is causing the biochemical change and you don't know it because it's embedded in every, every food item you can think of. 80% of all the food in the United States has high fructose kernel syrup in it, and 90% of the animals are being fed corn. So it's hard to avoid. That's, we have all these agencies, USDA, FDA, NEA, food pyramid, total fraud. Let's talk about the food pyramid. Well, on the bottom of the pyramid, it says to eat six to 11 helpings of grains. Grains break down to monosaccharide, which is sugar. And the pyramid goes up to say, well, maybe you can have an A here or there. It's nonsense. It's an upside down pyramid. You mentioned cardiologists. The statin drugs, which control cholesterol, and it was implied, never proven that high cholesterol causes heart disease. The answer is it does not. But that's a trillion-dollar drug. One trillion. That's a lot of money. It's not going to change. So my books are trying to get that message out. Cholesterol is is a dangerous drug because it cuts off 26 to 28 enzymes that are produced in the liver. cholesterol is essential for life of cell membrane. So we're eating seed oils. That's another sidebar issue of this. Seed oils, vegetables, seeds are not vegetables. Let's get that straight. So the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, should stop them from saying that because it makes the implication that you're eating vegetables. No, you're not. You're eating a rancid oil, which is linoleic acid, which is omega-6 fatty acid that is a poison. You should be eating omega-3 fatty acid. The American public eats at least a 20 to 25% or times ratio of six over threes. Why is that important? There's a book written by the Paleolithic Diet, which is Boyd Eaton's book. They looked at this back from an evolutionary standpoint. 10,000 years ago, omega-3 fatty acid ratio to six was one to one. Now it's 20 to 25 to I would just ask this question: Is America fat and sick, or thin and healthy? Answer the question yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my late 40s, and um, I remember
0: being in high school, and you know there was like a few people that were overweight, and now it's like everybody. So I've seen a
2: dramatic change just in my lifetime. Shocking, isn't it? So there's a guy. He's an economist, um, Stanley Druckenmiller, uh, billionaire, industrialist, but very bright guy. He gave the commencement address for the. USC School of Economics, and he has some sobering numbers to say, and I'll, I'll just summarize them for you. Starting in the year 2025, which is right around the corner, from 2025 to 2035, if we don't bend the curve, all, all the money that's collected in taxes will go to entitlements in the next 10 years. All, meaning there'll be no money left for anything else other than Medicare. And What's the biggest cost of Medicare? Pharmaceuticals pharmaceuticals that don't work. Stem cells do. So let's go to that subject. Why is the public not being told about stem cells? Is there a slow walking process here? Hmm. 2003, Senate hearings conducted by Senator John McCain of Arizona. Quoting: I'm quoting from the the hearings, the senators. Their response was, this is a miracle. What were they talking about? Autism? Muscular dystrophy, you remember Jerry's kids? Kids that couldn't walk or walking. Kids who couldn't talk or talking. This is 2003. What's the answer? Oh, we need more research. I don't think so. Well, I shouldn't say we don't need research. We do. But why is the public not getting firsthand access to this? I think you know the reason.
0: Yeah, because it would reduce the money from drugs that are not helping people, that are keeping people you know, on them for the rest of their lives. Look at statins alone. You know, the fire hose, and money that's come from that, billions and billions and billions. But, so
2: is, but aren't these agencies, I always love this word, public servants. They're not. Dr. Fauci, are you a public surgeon, a servant? I don't think so. I think we're the pawns in this game. You guys, have, it's the tail wagging the dog here. This is, as I, yeah, Steve Forbes said, it's scandalous.
0: It's been, so, uh, you know, medicine has been, uh and it's my opinion, but it's been completely
2: corrupted, completely. You know, I thought it was just lately, but I look back through the literature, it is, it's been going on for a long, long time. Ansel Keys, the 50s, late 50s, 60s, he started this whole nonsense that fat is bad. That's a long time ago. Now, as I say, if I, as I say, are these scientists that stupid or are they on the take? You tell me. They are, I run into them all Well, you know, to. I mean,
0: yeah. So- Private funding is very rare. Most of the
2: funding, you know,
0: has to come from NIH and all that. So they want you to research something, they'll
2: fund it. They don't, they won't. Exactly. And if you get an answer they don't like, they won't publish. Right. Well, you just summed it up. (laughs) It's, It's 50 years worth of information right there. Well, I think the public has to take control through their politicians, but we don't have the money to give them. So it's kind of, they don't get in elected unless they get a lot of money so they can advertise themselves. That's all it is. So we got a, we have a system that's hard to break, very hard to break.
0: Going, going back to uh, sugar though, what practical things have you learned, especially by adding in the neuropathy component? Does that change at all your advice in the book, for instance, or does that change at all how you work with patients or what you tell them that they may consider?
2: Well, I've been telling this story for the last 25 years. It uh, doesn't seem like anybody's listening. I, I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's a great book, Sugar Crush," but how do I get off of it? It's a, it's a poison. It's addicting. I hear that often. Or number two, Doctor Jacoby, you know, I'm 75 years old and I I got X Y Z disease. If I stop eating sugar, will that go away? No, it won't because you've been on it for so many years. But I do think
0: maybe it would improve. I mean, you
2: know, oh, definitely, definitely, maybe definitely it's not a would black improve. And white thing. Yeah, it definitely would approve. Well, let's take a brachial situation. Let's, let's take diabetic neuropathy. That's my field. Now, I know how to do the decompression surgeries. I've done thousands of those. But not everybody needs that surgery. That's kind of a terminal end phase surgery, where if I see 100 patients, I'm going to see maybe 10% that need that procedure, and the other 90% need other alternative things to do. Number one, as you said, Stop eating it, stop eating the poison. Number two, do supplements work? Yes, because the biochemistry of nerves also needs vitamin B6, vitamin B1, folic acid, vitamin C, things of that nature, so that's important. Number two, after you stop and change the diet, put more fat back in your diet. There's devices now that I work with uh, Dr. Michael Hamblin at Harvard years ago on lasers. And he had came up with a theory and a formula of how lasers can increase nitric oxide, by the way. So, I have a technique where you, if you add the fuel, L arginine, B6, B12, folic and things of that nature, you can increase the output of nitric oxide with, with lasers, but they're very expensive. Now, LED light emitting diodes do produce a very similar waveform that the lasers produce, and the LEDs are very inexpensive. And you can use them at home, and the FDA doesn't block you from using that. But I think the ultimate is stem cells. Stem cells are magic, absolute magic. I'll use the word they use, the senators, miraculous. It is so amazing when you see it done or have it done. It's just, it's miraculous. It's absolutely. Do people have to
0: go offshore out of the U.S. to do it, or how do people get stem cells?
2: You can get certain things in the United States, but the FDA keeps making new laws. For instance, they just made a law recently, three fifty-one, three sixty-one. What's that mean? If you want to go into, want to say anything about a stem cell, you have to go in in a new drug trial. Let's just pause on that word. That word. Let's say amniotic tissue. That's the, the fluid that surrounds the baby. That's called amniotic fluid. FDA just declared that a drug. Now, what? It, yeah, they declared, well, they had the power to do these things. I thought we had the sovereign right, but no, we don't. So I was, I was talking to Don Johansson. Don Johansson is the most famous anthropologist in the world, and I worked with him on this subject, and he's the one who discovered Lucy. Lucy, our first primate. There's a lot of controversy about that, but that is the current thought. So she was hanging out in the trees about 3.2 million years ago. So when the FDA did that, I said to myself, are you telling me that Lucy is a drug dealer (laughs) and every pregnant woman is a mule?
0: Because
2: you're carrying around drugs.
0: I'm sure they'll make breast milk into a drug too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that would, uh, by Carl, they should make oxygen
0: into a drug. Well, yeah. it is they purified for them, but you know, yeah. so they can tax everyone for breathing.
2: Yeah, so our lives have been hijacked by the very agencies that we elected to protect us. Now they dominate us. So it's a sad day, but the good news is we know that stem cells work, and there's lots of sources to get them. We can't get those most of those here in the United States. But countries like Panama, and I've been there several times, Dr. Reardon's clinic, there's a great clinic in Mexico, a couple of clinics in Mexico. I'm looking to start a clinic in Belize as well as Colombia because they had good laboratories, they have good doctors, and they had good, good laws too. They protect the people. Japan has great uh, laws on stem cells, so does China, but the United States does not. Why? Because we got the big pharma. They want to own the industry. Meanwhile, people are dying. kids who have autism can't speak. they're institutionalized. Alzheimer's, people are just dropping off like flies. And I didn't even discuss cancer. That's another huge problem. So well,
0: what, um, for, you know, you mentioned the stem cells a few times. what are, you know, in terms of uh, sugar and diabetes, what are you seeing happening in the stem cell world for those conditions specifically?
2: Well, my world is pretty much uh, musculoskeletal problems and neuropathy. Stem cells work on any of those tissues. Now, fundamentally, how do they work? It's very complex, but simply put, they are highly charged anti-inflammatory molecules. And most of these diseases are inflammatory. So they put the fire out. This is what I say to patients. You use stem cells to put the fire out. But if you're continuing to put gasoline on the fire, while a fireman's coming in the other side of the room putting foam down, stem cells, then you're just defeating the purpose because sugar causes the inflammation, stem cells put the fire out. Interesting, inflammation for that metaphor. Inflammation, flame, that's what it means. It's on fire, your tissue is on fire. And that's how it destroys all the tissue, primarily the nerves. So if you stop eating sugar, or at least try to get down to a ketogenic diet. I don't know that you have to absolutely do a carnivore diet, but it's not a bad idea to do that at the beginning. And then do stem cells. You'll lose weight rapidly. And at any age, you can reverse this, but it takes a commitment because the sugar is so powerfully addicting and it makes any food taste great. The chair you're sitting on, I assume you're sitting down. You took that? Uh, material on that chair and mixed it with high fructose corn syrup, you would swear that's the greatest chair you ever ate, and you would be addicted yeah. to chairs.
0: Uh, I think you are going to talk about the flame retardants. The sugar on them would be delicious. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's a crumber brulee for sure. Huh? So, uh, my thoughts sound rather radical, I'm sure, to the average person, but if they have a better idea, I'd love to hear it. I've witnessed it. I've treated... Thousands and thousands of patients with stem cells, and I would say upwards of eighty to eighty-five percent excellent results if you get off with sugar. And I don't care what the itis, I don't care what the itis is.
0: Oh, what, I, what have you? Uh, what have you used stem cells for? What have you been allowed to use it for? help people. Want.
2: Well, uh, I've been doing it a little over fifteen years, so. I've been doing it for 15 years. So the FDA just came in just recently and said, wait a minute, this is a drug. We need to, we need to take over. So I have a lot of experience while it was legal. And I predominantly use amniotic tissue. Now, let me divide stem cells into two groups. You can use your own stem cells. You can use fat-derived, which has a rich source of stem cells, or bone-derived. Even dental pulp has stem cells. Just about everything has stem cells. Now, let me give you a practical a story here. People who are in their 20s don't have a lot of chronic, obviously don't have chronic diseases per se, maybe autism, yes. But for the most part, I'm going to be seeing something in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And I if I would say to them, we can use your stem cells, but 90% of all stem cells are reduced by age 50. So when you get over 50, you really don't have many cells and the ones you have are not that potent. So why not use what we call allogenic tissue, which is somebody else's tissue. And now then we divide it in, in another division, embryonic, which means you're taking an embryo from an abortion. That's illegal in the United States. You can't get it outside of the United States. And then it's another discussion of ethics. And there are some medical issues, but the easiest, most ethical, most powerful And the simplistic supply is perinatal tissue, the afterbirth of a live delivery. That's what we use. Now we can't well, I couldn't I don't say we can't use AMNIO, but all the laboratories have shut down because they they have to be a 351 new drug discovery. And if you don't do that, then you can't sell it. So what is left? What is left is umbilical tissue, and we can't And under a 361 FDA rules, I can't tell you how it works. I can't manipulate the tissue. It can't have a systemic effect. And all as I can say, I'm going to put that tissue in your body to separate one tissue from another. And that's all I can tell you. Unless I want to go into an IND, new drug application, that probably costs about a billion dollars to take about 10 years. There's only a couple of people in the room can say yes to that. Mr. Pfizer, he's one of them. Like he made a lot of vaccine money so he can now do that. Interesting. That's another huge issue. Or Mr. Johnson and uh, Johnson John Johnson. So the big companies can do that because they, they have product to protect. And they don't care if it takes 10 years because they can monetize what they have out there. So Panama is a beautiful country, by the way.
0: So you're not allowed to say anything about it? Literally? Getting...
2: Literally, no. So the wow. big farm, you know, Fauci and company, Gestapo would come in and they do visit us and say watch what you're saying we're watching you and they see what you say on google and they they know this conversation as well No, i mean there's no collusion between big government and the media i mean you understand that right no oh, of course not yeah right i mean even though that 67 percent of all the media fox or cox cable or whatever you want is funded by big pharma. So every talking head is his salary or her salary is paid for by that. So what story do you think you're going to get? Yes. So these podcasts, like you're doing, I can get the story out. And my new book, it'll come out in July, and I'll have a lot more tidbits. You'll be amazed. Absolutely amazed. Am I obsessed on this subject? Yes, I have become obsessed on this subject because I've seen so many cures. Oh, I can't use word cures. Results. So um, clinical outcomes, clinical outcomes look good. Yeah. I'll have to have them, but I, I can, actually, I can't even say that my personal experience anecdotally, I think there's some merit. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, very good, uh, Rich. So people should
2: get what's available right now is what sugar crush, sugar crush. And in about two months, unglued will come out just to give you a background. Unglued, why I came up with that name was at a think tank because they wanted to do a Netflix long lesson, and so one of the producers says, "What does glucose mean?" I gave him the answer I gave you, the biochemical answer. No, no, no. What? What's the word mean? And I went, "I don't know. <laughs> I, d- I never looked it up." So I looked up the word glucose. It's so silly and fun. It's a Greek word meaning to adhere, to stick together. It's glue. That's why it's called glucose. Mm. I, that's what I, I went. Oh, my God. So one of the producers says, well, you're really saying how to get unglued. That's right. And I I'm trying to pack everything into the story that you as as, as an individual can do to get yourself unblank, blank, blank glued. And part of that unglued is get these agencies out in the open, expose them because okay. they, they certainly haven't got us unglued. OK, well, very good. Rich. Thank you so much
0: for coming on the podcast and being, will, being willing to speak plainly when uh, most people don't or can't or won't. So I, I do appreciate your comments and you being here.
2: Well, that's I think that's my expertise. I can take a very complicated subject and make it very simple because that's how my mind works. Most of the scientists I work with t- like to take a very simple concept and make it very complex. That's right. my forte. But anyway, I, I appreciate the time to tell you my story. Remember, if you're looking for
0: groundbreaking low-sugar products, head over to oobly.com and try the world's first iced teas made with sweet proteins, the future of sweet, because we all deserve to feel good about healthy sweetness. Use the promo code GENIUS at oobly.com and get 20% off their lemon, peach, or mango yuzu sweet iced teas. Oobly is sweet without sacrifice. Website is i.com. promo code GENIUS, G-E-N-I-U-S.